What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. I've been looking forward to this episode for quite some time, and I'm super excited to share uh, Mr. Terry's story with you. Before we jump into that, a few quick announcements. Uh, number one, new shirts are in the shop. Uh, we've got some cool designs. My wife and I have spent some time getting some stuff put together, and I'm super happy with how they turned out as far as both design and print quality. Go pick them up at vanguardstories.com. Number two, ratings and reviews. I appreciate all of you for the ratings and reviews. If you haven't yet, please take a quick second to like and subscribe and leave a quick rating on the show wherever you get it. Uh, it gives me the warm and fuzzies and uh, it helps get us uh, in front of some more people. So if you like what I'm doing here with the show, please just take a quick second to click the like, subscribe, and rating button. Lastly, today's episode is brought to you by Eberly Stock. For several years now, uh, I've run a variety of bags from them, uh, ranging from uh, EDC bags to range day bags uh, and hunting equipment, but one of my favorite bags from them is actually the Cherry Bomb. It's a discreet EDC bag uh, designed to carry a laptop or a small AR pistol or SBR without raising any suspicion. Uh, I've had mine for a little while now and uh, discreetly towed it around town with my AR pistol inside without anybody knowing. So if that's something that you need for your job or you want to be prepared, whatever the case may be, it's got plenty of space in it for a small first aid kit, um, tourniquet, whatever the case may be. Um, be sure to give them a call and let them know the Vanguard podcast sent you and get set up. And that is a lot of word vomit. So I'm going to stop talking and we're going to roll an awesome episode. Let's kick it. What is up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the Vanguard Project. For those of you joining for the first time, my name is Austin Jardine, and uh, I'm just some dude that's uh, outside of Boise, Idaho, that's been extremely fortunate to have been able to cross paths and get introduced to some pretty amazing people. And uh, the goal of the podcast is to sit down and share their stories and hopefully get you guys equipped with maybe some new tools to tackle life with, sharing some life experiences to get you excited, motivated, and like I said, maybe pointed in the right direction. So with that being said, uh, super cheesy intro, which I've said, I think for the past like four weeks now that I'm going to record or I should record, but I haven't, uh, I've got Mr. Terry Huyen on the phone with me and uh, we're recording. So Terry, man, I appreciate you hopping on and chatting. How are you, sir? Uh, I am doing excellent, except it's Today is October what seventh, I think. It is, and I have not been in the tree stand at all yet. So, I'll say yeah, you that, just got I'm, back though, right? You were out elk hunting like last two weeks ago, last week. Yeah, but it, it doesn't matter. It's October. I need to be in a tree. But <laughs> outside of that, I'm doing doing really good. And I know we've been kind of hit and miss here last month or so trying to do this, but uh, yeah, I'm glad to glad to connect and share my story, and hopefully, we can help some people out. Yeah, I'm excited. So for those, uh, for people that might not know who you are, do you mind just giving us uh, your background, a little bit of who you are, and then I'll just start interrupting from there? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the Reader's Digest version, like the super short clip is, uh, so grew up in Indiana, Midwestern boys. Uh, we're back there now after uh, retirement. I uh, joined the Navy at 18. Yeah, turned 19 in Bud's. Spent 26 and a half years, you know, my entire adult life until retirement in, in the SEAL community, doing spec ops stuff and running around and 
in all the world. And then, you know, as everybody knows, 9-11 kind of changed the course of the world for everybody. And it got serious really quick for well, until I retired in uh, 2018. Okay. Okay. Yeah, so the readers are at digest version of the, of the, the history. Anyway. The history. <laughs> that is yeah. the read. So did yeah. you grow up like in a military family? Did you always want to join the Navy or was that something that you developed later on? It kind of came later on. So, so my dad served in Vietnam. Uh, we never really talked about it a lot. I think it, uh, I think it impacted him greatly. Uh, you know, a lot more than he wanted to kind of spill the beans with and, and discuss, especially as I was you know, a younger kid and you know, his background, he ended up running a dog, which most people say canines are awesome and they are, you know, working dogs are great. He unfortunately is running a cadaver dog. So he would go in after, you know, after a big battle, try to recover anybody that's maybe still alive and then recover bodies. And so I think that kind of impacted him, you know, as it would anybody. So we never really talked too much about the military. And as I was going through high school, I'm, you know, an athlete, swimmer, wrestler, soccer player, and I, I kind of did it all, but I was uh, probably an average student at best. And as, as I'm turning 18 and graduating, I realized I had really three options. One, I could, you know, go to school, which I was not mature enough to, which would not have been uh, ideal for anybody to pay money for me to go to school and not finish. <laughs> I could stay in my, stay in my little town and continue to lay bricks and, and work around the, the farms and everything, or I could join the military and, and get out and learn something and, and, uh, you know, kind of change the course of change the course of the life for a little while and see kind of where I fit. So <clears throat> in 91, there's probably not too many people listening to this that, that new time before the internet, there was no internet that you could go Google and, and learn about stuff in my little town. You know, nobody was, nobody was spec ops. Nobody was anything, anything outside of a normal Navy or, or a uh, army guy. So I went into the re or the recruiter and started discussing options. You know, I liked the water. I was comfortable in the water. I knew they had scuba diver guys. I'm like, Hey, I'd love to go scuba diving. It sounds awesome. You know, in the pictures, go, go float around the clear, crystal clear, warm water and have fun looking under ships. So as I go into the recruiter, start talking about being joining as a Navy diver up on his wall. He's got this big picture of seals. You know, it's a classic one, four guys coming out of the water. They got MP5s and M4s, mustaches, draggers, all this cool stuff. Then in sub pictures underneath are skydiving and shooting guns and, you know, explosives and all this cool stuff. So he starts asking me, like, hey, so what do you do? I'm like, oh, I hunt and I fish. I run outside. I like guns. I like doing this. He's like, have you ever thought about being a seal? And I said, no, I don't even know what, you know, what that is. And so, again, he pointed to the picture, showed me the, the four-minute recruiting video on VHS tape of how, this, how much cool stuff there is. And then he gave me a pamphlet, and I signed a paper. I said, hell yeah, this, is, this looks awesome. What he failed to mention was the longevity and – the grind of what buds in that lifestyle and the commitment to that lifestyle, what it really was. Sure. So I, you know, fortunate, I think, because I signed up and went out there and started buds and made it all the way through in my one class without knowing really what I signed up for. You know, once you get past that shock and all of, Oh shit, here we go. This is going to be a lot of work. And then it starts. And then next thing you know, it's day two, and then the next thing you know, it's day three, day four, and then it's hell week and it's day two of hell week. 
And you just I never really had the mindset of, you know, I signed up for it, so I'm going to finish it. I'm not sure what it is. So the whole, the, the quitting aspect, you know, everybody asks like, what's the, the secret to buds It's like really simple. Just don't quit. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's your choice. You signed up for it and you can pull yourself out unless you get hurt. So I never had that mentality of giving up something I put my name on. And the next thing you know, hell week's over and then the fun stuff starts and then, yeah, it's good times. And yeah. so that's so, what drove me into what I did for a couple decades. was a four minute VHS tape. That's awesome. Yes. Yeah. And so, I'm kind of glad he didn't, I mean, he, he had quotas to get, so he, you know, he probably got a bonus for signing up a little dumbass redneck like I mean, like me, but Hey, it was uh, probably the best decision I ever did in my life. Yeah. That's awesome. So when you, you said that when you started in, uh, in buds that you said that you didn't process what you had signed up for. And then you kind of just stumbled, stumbled through. It might not be the right way to put it, but I mean, did it ever click where you're like, okay, I'm ready. I'm in it. And now I'm changing my mindset. Or were you just like, holy shit, this is happening. And I'm here. Does that question makes yeah, sense. I, I don't think it ever really said it. So I, I went to boot camp, and at boot camp they had at the time what they call like a dive fair program. And I think they just did away with the whole dive motivator program for the Navy here last month. So in boot camp, once you're going through, we had the opportunity to go work out. A couple of guys were SEALs, a couple of guys were UD guys, or whatever. And they would give you little snippets of, hey, here's the training. And this is 91. So the really only thing recent was a little bit of Panama, a little bit of Grenada in the 80s. You know, Gulf War didn't really have a whole lot of for the for the team guys to do. Long story for that. But anyway, there wasn't a whole lot to combat-wise to really go into. So it was a lot of, hey, here's what training is gonna look like. Here's kind of what your lifestyle is gonna look like. But they didn't really get in depth. And I was 18. So I mean, like, what do I know anyway? You're like, I'm here for it anyways. Yeah. So, uh, you know, we would train with them and, and learn a little bit. And then I went to a school and at a school, there was nobody, you know, I was up at great lakes at this point, there was nobody up there that had anything to do with, with what I'd signed up for. So I was kind of ignorant for six months while I was up there and then, and show up to California, you know, sunny California, get off the airplane and you go get checked in. And you're like, why is everybody yelling at everybody? what's going on over there? And the reality, you know, quickly sinks in. You're like, Oh shit, this is real. This is, you know, the stories I've heard, the stuff I've seen, the books, like this is real. This uh, it's time to, to man up and, and show up. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I got lucky when I got out there. So I got, I, I was originally supposed to be in class 188. They sent me out to uh, San Clemente Island, which is where third phase of buds was to go help kind of be a gopher, be the new guy, go out there and just like, clean the shitters, empty the trash cans, do whatever the instructors need you to do so they can run training. So when I went out there, that class 188 classed up and started training. So by the time I got back, I had already been kind of pushed into the next class, which is class 189. Okay. Okay. So as you're working through buds and everything, you know, I imagine the process is dynamic and changes, right? Is there anything that you wish you would have known going into, you know, either signing up, you know, for the seal packet, I don't know if that's the right way to put it. Right. Um, that maybe a new guy now that's thinking about it, that wants to apply, you feel like should know, or wish you would have known. Uh, ideally I would erase everything on the internet about seal training. Mm-hmm. So the guys would just show up and do the work because, you know, as my last command, I ran part of our buds pipeline for, for three years at the buds prep course. And what I would see, you know, if I get 200, 200 students in a class, 
probably 30% of them already knew they weren't going to make it through. They had already made that mind mindset that like, Hey, I signed up, I'm going to try, but I really don't have a choice. You know, I don't have a chance to make it through, but Hey, this is, this is cool. You know, so you get these guys that already show up expecting the worst, and especially at Bud's prep, I'm like eight weeks. The only thing I want you to do is get stronger, get mentally stronger, get faster in the water, faster in the runs so that you can physically make it through hell week. Because that was our goal. Like, I'm not selecting anybody out. Now, obviously, there's going to be some issues with, with candidates here and there, but our goal or our mindset was I want these students to leave here physically and mentally capable, or at least physically physically capable of getting through hell week. Then it just comes out to a mental game. And like, do they mentally have the tools? And we would try to give them some tools, but yeah. So I think, you know, in hindsight, the best thing we could do, or, you know, anybody interested is stop reading books, stop on the Reddit, stop all these websites of like what buds is, you know, what the selection pipeline is just show up, do the work, determine it beforehand that, Hey, I'm, this is really what I want to do because it's a lifestyle commitment. It's not a, I'm going to go in for a couple of years and, and get out. It's, if you're going to do it, you're in it for the long run. So that's the mindset that they really need to show up with. Okay. Not the, not the short-term success of, Hey, this is cool. I'm going to get laid. Chicks dig it. You know, this is party time movie stuff. Yeah. It's like, no, that's the the stuff. The highlights you see in the movies is about 10% of what the job really is. Yeah. Yeah. And that 10% probably pays off when uh, you make it through that other 90. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, okay. So with, uh, with, I guess, training and making, helping people make it through, sounds like the mindset's the biggest fallout rate. Is that true? Yep, absolutely. Okay. And, and I, yeah, so, and I try to ex- explain this to kids, but they just don't get it is when they show up, I, I tell them fear is the mind killer. You know, if you're scared of what you're undertaking, you're already lost the game. So yes, you can be nervous. You can have some stress. A little bit of panic is, is fine. You know, kind of keeping on the edge. If you roll into every every evolution or the whole training pipeline scared of what you signed up for, you're already done. You've already made up the made up your mind that you're not going to get through this, and it's a matter of time before you quit. Okay, okay. So when you finished buds um, and uh, started to move on, and, and I guess get assigned into teams, is there uh, like a were you able to kind of pick and choose what you wanted to go do? I guess specialties where you wanted to where you wanted to land. Uh, well, yes, I did. Uh, so every class, at least when I went through, we'd get ranked at the end. I happened to be the, the honor man, just because I outlasted a lot of the other guys that were faster than me and stronger than me and everything else. I, of the remaining guys, I was the honor man. So at that time, the honor man got to pick, you know, where they want to go, what SEAL team they wanted to go to. So I picked SEAL team four. This was just after Panama, you know, so it's like, Hey, this is where they're going. You know, they got the drug war. They got, these guys are really doing something outside of that. The foreign language guys would typically get to pick or they would get assigned where they would be most beneficial. But then after that, it's the needs of needs of the SEAL community. Okay. Okay. So did you have a, like a, a specific desire to go do a particular thing in the SEAL teams or were you like, Hey, I made it through, made it through buds, got, chose where I wanted to go, you know, um, I guess, did you have a, a plan of action that you wanted to go pursue? If that made sense? Uh, yeah. Uh, I would say probably not really, because as, as a new guy, you're just going to go do whatever they need you to do. And, and at least in the early nineties, if I was going to show up and just assume I was going to be a sniper because I like being outside, 
or I'm going to be a free fall guy. That's just not how it works. You know, you're going to, you're going to make a bad name for yourself right off, right off the bat. If you walk in and have any expectations of, of doing anything other than what is needed of you, like learn your place, you know, I had some good advice right off the bat. It was like, shut up, sit down and do the work. So that's what I did. I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm going to do my work, get my trident, do whatever the platoon needs me to do. And then as I, you know, after one platoon, then you're like, okay, I, I kind of know how things are go. I know the job a little bit better than, than what I did, you know, two years ago. Now I can start like, okay, Hey, where do I, where can I make the biggest impact or what particular sub assignments in this, in a SEAL community, whether it's communicator or medic, you know, like all these different subsets, where's a good fit for me or what's, what's something that, that kind of jumps out to me. And again, from being the, the outdoorsman and hunter before I, you know, sniper was like where I wanted to go. You know, like that was the, the Holy grail for me. Cause at that time they were sending, you would only get like 20, 24 slots a year for a sniper school. You know, they'd run one in the spring, one in the fall and you, you know, maybe get a dozen or so out of each class. Okay. So it's hard to get. So another one's like, Oh, Hey, I can push myself harder. Here's a very hard and challenging school to go to. It's a qualification that, that every platoon needs. It's going to be better for me in the long run. And it's fun, you know, shooting, shooting guns at long range is, is a lot of fun. Yeah, it is. Yeah, I can, I was kind of drawn to that. Um, okay. So as you start to kind of identify the things that you're interested in, gravitate towards, is it just a matter of expressing interest in doing those things? Or are you actively like signing up for various classes, courses, telling people, shooting, I guess, how do you, how did you make next steps for yourself happen? Uh, you've got to kind of take your, take your career in your, in your hands to run with that. It's uh, and it really depends on your leadership. You know, I, I tried when I was a leader to understand my people the best I could, like, where do they want to be in three years, five years, 10 years? What are their interests? You know, what drives them? What skills do they have that, you know, that they already possess that we can use? And then as a leader, I can say, Hey, here's, here's some courses coming up. We've got breaks in the schedule. I'm going to send you, or, Hey, here's, I got two slots. You four guys are good candidates who wants to go kind of thing. And as a new guy, you got to really kind of take that under control for yourself too, of, Hey, I want to be, I want to be a calm guy or I want to be a sniper or I want to be a, the, the lead jumper and kind of go with it. You got to let people know you want to do it. Let your, let your chief and your master chief know where you want to go. But you got to be humble about it too. If you just walk in and say, Hey, I'm the five and you're going to send me a sniper school. Yeah. Yeah. You're going to be out there getting your ass beat. <laughs> okay. So up to this point, um, is there anything that you've learned that you feel either upcoming seals need to be aware of maybe guys that are in the teams now that, that might lose along the way that you've learned that you feel people should know. If, if I'm going to give any newer guy or anybody in the military law enforcement a couple pieces of advice, especially training wise, you know, learn how to work as a team. You don't have to like each other, but figure out how to work together because nobody gets through buds. Nobody gets through any of the special operations training or missions by themselves. You have to figure it out. So the sooner you can do that, the better off you're going to be. And one, and the other one would be like, dude, just be respectful for everybody. There's no reason to get pissed off and hold a grudge because at the end of the day, the only, the only person that's affecting is me. If I get pissed off and hold a grudge at, at you, Austin, as soon as we hang up, you don't give a fuck. You know, you're moving on. The only, the only person that's affecting is me. You know, I'm, I'm holding all that hostility and 
stress and all that shit on myself for no fucking reason. Yeah, like it's my choice to be pissed off. It's my choice to either treat everybody with respect until they push me to the point where I don't have to anymore. But you know, the, again, it's 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 choices. How do how am I going to spend my energy? That's how I choose choose to spend my energy. So you know, piece of advice for few younger guys is like, fucking let it go. Like be be respectful. And I, if I'm going to tell a story to kind of go along with that, so this was 2000. Eight, nine, ten, maybe something somewhere in there. I was, I was off the coast of uh, Somalia. We were doing a, a training mission, and I climb over the side of the boat. You know, it's a destroyer out there, and you know, up and down the coast. And as I climb over the side of the boat, the chief of the boat looks down. He's like, "Terry, what the fuck are you doing here?" I look up, I'm like, <laughs> "Like, what the fuck are you doing here?" It's like this is my boat. <laughs> like holy shit a guy that i worked with 10 or 15 years way back in the past both as e4s e5s whatever we were got along treated each other respect he had his job i had my job and and then come full circle now i'm asking him for help because you know, <laughs> he's, he's got a big guy one time <laughs> now he runs a ship and i'm the one coming to him asking him if he can help us with this mission so again treat people with respect let shit go and and you never know when life's going to come full circle. Uh, I would say for anybody interested in, in the community is deep dive the community. We got the seal Swick website is, is good for information on working out, uh, reach out to people in the community. Yeah. I, I get people hit me up all the time on, on Instagram, asking me questions about it. So I'll, I'll help those if they want help, but uh, really learn the community. And like I said, it's a, it's a lifetime commitment. It's not a show up, do the job for a few weeks and go home. You've got to commit to the lifestyle and understand what that lifestyle is. Yeah. I would say that for the, for the new guys coming in or, or thinking about coming in and then the guys in the community, I mean, right now it's, it's a very turbulent time with, with what's going on in the world. So I would say probably pay, pay attention to the bigger picture. You know, like what's really going on in the world, not, not just Afghanistan or, or Syria or whatever the flash in the pan is. Look at the, Look at the bigger picture of China, Russia, North Korea, what's going on with all these, these, you know, the big movers in the world and, and then how that's going to impact and how we can, or I say we, I'm, I'm retired now, <laughs> how, how the, how the services and the SEAL community and, and you as an operator, how you can be beneficial. So getting smarter on technology. I mean, that's, that's, that's where we're going for everything is technology. You know, how, how, how can we develop something to help what we want to do without um, trying to beat around the bush without getting into some subjects I shouldn't get into, but sure. Yeah. Learn, learn and pay attention and look at the bigger picture of what's going on Okay, and, and leverage that. Okay. Well, I'll move us on before we get ourselves in trouble. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good. I'll, um, get some, I'll get some hate mail, but no, I, I won't good. say anything. I won't say anything illegal. Okay. Good. Yeah. yeah. I don't need anybody knocking on my doors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, okay. So you, you talk a lot about um, the community, the lifestyle. Can you paint the picture in what way you can of what a SEAL lifestyle looks like? And then maybe some of the benefits and challenges that come with that. Ooh. Yeah. Totally uh, loaded. I'm sure. Yeah, I know. And it's, and it is I like loaded questions. Well, and I, I'm looking back over, you know, this almost 30 or three decades that I, I spent in there, it's changed a bunch. You know, when I came in, it was work hard, play hard, drink as much as you can, go have a good time, deployments, training, 
and then it, it's shifted since you know 2001 it's shifted into being a i'm gonna say i'm gonna say better but more well-rounded warfighter you know taking care of themselves being in better shape nutrition you know the alcohol is still there but it's not it's not like it was there's you get a whole you know subset community inside of our people that they don't drink they know exactly what they're getting into and they want to be as sharp as they can so the maturity side from a from an operator has really come a long way in the last 15 years or so. And it's awesome to see, you know, guys taking care of themselves, being ready and being sharp and, and pushing that envelope on, 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 uh, on being an operator. Uh, but the lifestyle I would say like day to day, man, it's, I would say it's better than normal military. Uh, you were going to work a lot. You know, I was probably, during the height of it, I would be gone 220, 230, 40 days a year away from the home, whether that's on deployment or, or training. So it's tough on tough on family life. So you, know, you got to take care of the family, but it's the same with, you know, across the board for, for all military guys. I think we have the benefit of, of being a very small community that we, and we actively try to take care of each other. So, you know, I, you know, my father passed away when, and I was in the middle of work and, you know, next thing I know I'm, I'm driving home and, and somebody else has, has you know, picked up the ball for me to, for everything I need to do. Now, same thing. I was, you know, when, when we had our first child, I was supposed to be on deployment and I swapped deployments with, with one of the guys. So it, it's, I would say, I would say easier, but it's uh, you have more options to take care of the family on okay. uh, inside of special operations. I would say it's probably the same thing on, on all special operations, vice the, you know, the, the big green machine or you know, the big blue machine, the Navy. Sure. But the, I don't know if that answered your question. <laughs> yeah, no, you're Lots good. Pretty broad. No, that's fair. So taking care of the family, right? I feel like is a is an important thing to to take take out of that. And maybe talk a little bit more about. Did yeah. have you learned anything that maybe maybe learned the hard way, or wish that you would have known going into it, or that you would like to share as far as taking care of the family, being present, right? Because being gone 220, 240 days a year is a lot, a lot, right? It's a long time. Yeah. Did you learn anything that you feel can help folks that might be in a similar situation? Cause that's a really tough thing. It, it is. And, and I struggle with it forever. And that, I like you now, I still got to struggle. I would say communication with your, with your other half. You know, and my wife has been awesome. We got together after, before my first deployment. So she's lived through all of the deployments before we were married, before we had kids, you know, a little bit of combat deployments before we had kids. So she knew the game. I would say. And she was very strong. So, but what I failed at is communicating all the different stresses and all the different stuff that I was dealing with. You know, I would try to shield her from that, which essentially kind of limited our communication because then I wouldn't talk to her. Right. I'd come home, have a six pack, be pissed off, not talk to her. And, and I kind of pushed her away. So I would say uh, biggest tip is talk, you know, open, communicate, with your wife, with your kids, enjoy as much time with your kids as you can. Cause they grow up for, before you know it <clears throat> with expectations and yeah. So yeah, communication would be the biggest thing. Okay. And that goes across the board for not just your wife, your family, your friends, you know, we're a lot better. I know suicide and, and depression and a lot of these issues, especially the guys after they retire and kind of lose that identity having somebody that they can call and, and kind of discuss that with is, is huge. Yeah. So the identity piece is something I do want to talk about, but 
one thing that, that I'm learning kind of in, in my day-to-day life now, right, is how much communication and what type of communication, right? Because mm-hmm. it's really easy just to say, you know, talk to your wife, talk to your significant other, right? Mm-hmm. But in this context, are you telling her everything? Or I guess what type of information are you communicating that is helpful? Because I feel like there's there's a line where you can over communicate to a point where your significant other is like, what the fuck did you just tell me? You know? <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I don't know if that question made sense. Oh, I didn't know that was a question. Okay. Uh, and I can restate it too. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I think I know what you're saying. So, yeah. I mean, there's, I would go both ways. I mean, sometimes it's just good, good to chat about nothing, just reestablish that relationship, talk about stuff that doesn't really matter at all, just to, to kind of rebuild those bonds. And even, you know, I, I, I'll say I struggle. I still guarded a little bit with, with telling her, even, even though retired now, what, what I've gone through for the last 20 some years. And we had a little benefit dinner a couple of days ago. And I was telling stories with somebody else off one of the podcasts I did. And they were asking me questions about it. And she's like, what are you talking about? It's like, Oh no, on top of this mountain, there was these fucking crazy ass monkeys and they were throwing shit at us and walking around. And she's like, you've never told me that. I'm like, I, that was like 2002. Of course I told you that. I'm like, no. So it's funny how like, stuff that just is part of your life for so long you, you forget that you know for until 2018 i didn't share really any of that stuff with her especially like the like the dangerous stuff or the, <laughs> the stuff they, they you know getting blown off a wall or something else you know it's like it's it was easier in my mind to not stress her because she's already stressed with me being overseas two kids you know all this other stuff going on it was easier just to say hey everything's good yeah, we had a mission, no big deal. We're home. I'm coming home, you know, all that stuff. And it really wasn't until uh, 2015 when I went up to uh, NICO, I think it's still NICO, National Intrepid Center of Excellence. And they did a, uh, and they're still doing it. It's, a, it's like a 30-day program going in head to toe, brain scans, body scans, all these different pieces that go into your body. So they check your blood work, cortisol levels, all this, all this crap going on. And I realized that one, I was shielding her to the point where I kept all these demons inside and I didn't get them out. So, you know, that was, that was bad. And I was trying to cover it with alcohol. So I would just drink, drink it away, drink it till I was happy and then deal with the kids and, and the wife for a little bit and then, and then go to bed. And until then, you know, she didn't know, you know, she had, you know, obviously she's smarter than I am and, and she knew stuff was going on, but having those counseling sessions and, and, bringing her into the loop of you know, what I'd been through, what my body had been through. It's really helped us a ton because now she understands and she can see when I'm going over the edge. You know, yeah. I, I've identified a lot of my triggers myself and I keep them, keep them up to date. And I, I know what's going on. And, and I start going down that, down that path. I catch myself, but she's very good at catching it. And yeah, you know, Hey, why don't you go, go outside, ride the lawnmower for a little bit. You need a, you need a break or, Hey, and then about time you guys plan a hunting trip or, or something. So, so she's been excellent at seeing those triggers and seeing all that and, you know, kind of keeping me back in, you know, back in good standings. Yeah. That's awesome. My wife does uh, similar things, right? So obviously our life experiences are vastly different, but she, we've gone through the rigmarole too, and she can, she can see and kind of feel when I'm starting to get frustrated or Mm -hmm. locked up or something. She'll be like, Hey, are you good? You good? What the fuck are you doing? Hey, it's time we leave. 
like you need to go to the gym or whatever the case may be. Did it take you guys, I guess, how did you establish that for your guys's or uh, between the two of you, right? I guess the open line of communication, I mean, you mentioned counseling and then Mm -hmm. also really that's a lot of trust between two people for somebody to be able to sense that towards you. And then also, excuse me, call you out on it. How did you guys build that? Uh, well, I think it's probably two part one, you know, we've been together for so long. She knows, you know, so much about me and, and, and can see that, but then, you know, the counseling, you know, having those sessions and, and open, you know, open conversations between her and I, and like what, you know, what I've been through, what I've seen, the stuff that kind of really gets to me that bothers me. Some of the stuff that doesn't really bother me too much. And then what that looks like, you know, we, we go through all the, all the different triggers, like you know, big crowns, you know, stressful situations, you know, like all these things that kind of get me in a heightened state of anxiety. And then what kind of signs go into, you know, that, that I display when I'm, when I'm kind of ramping up into that. And really, I mean, that, those counseling sessions were the, were like the, you know, breakthrough for all that stuff. And then she would just ask me questions like, Hey, you're looking a little agitated, everything good. Or, Hey, you know, I got to drop the girls off at the mall, but why don't you just stay over here or I'll leave you at the library or something like that. You know, yeah. she, she understood them after having those conversations, which, which helped us both out. That's awesome. That's all. Yeah. That's super cool. Okay. So moving on after, after retirement, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, something that I've talked to several folks about, and we were talking about this before we started recording, right. Is, is when you retire, you kind of lose the sense of, either belonging or I guess, and I lost the word, but belonging, we'll go with that. How did you handle that? Did you experience that as well? Was that something that kind of pushed you in maybe a bad direction? Uh, yeah, I, I definitely did. And even, and I find myself, I consider myself a lot more fortunate than a lot of military guys getting out because of our, our tight knit community. There's a lot of people that are helping, helping in this transition period. So I got to go through a couple of programs like I said, I went to NICO, so I understood, you know, I started writing a ship with, with my alcohol. I went through another uh, program called commit that kind of helped with that transition. It's like, okay, where do you fit? What's something that drives you? What's an interest to you? So I thought I was doing pretty good. And I, I took that buds prep program. So I finished my degree. I had three years to kind of slow down from, from what I was doing with the national mission force at hundred miles an hour to like, okay, I've got everything under control. I'm good. I, I got a plan. And then retirement happens and nobody's calling you. There's no emails. There's, there's no driving anything to make you go to work. Really. I mean, after 26, I didn't really have to work, but I knew I needed to do something. So, so losing that purpose was a lot harder than I expected it to be. Sure. Yeah. You know, I, I knew, Hey, I'm old. Young guys can do the guns. They can do the jump and they can do all this stuff. They know what they're doing. I, you know, I've, I've, I've lived my piece, my talent, my talented days for that are, are over. I understood that. I came to terms with that. My gears hung up. I was good with that, but that purpose of what's going on in the world, how can I help? Like they need me because I'm special was gone. So that was, that was huge. And then, you know, that daily tribe of like-minded people that you're around because my mission at the time was hey, what does the nation need me to do? What does the country need me to do? What do my teammates need me to do? All the way down to, you know, like, what do my kids need? Once retirement happened, it's every day is like, okay, I have my family and that's it. You know, I'm not 
productive for my country. I'm not productive for my neighbor. All those purpose of, of being there in that tribe of like-minded people is gone. So it was, it was a struggle. You know, I was going to be the, the perfect dad and be home and, and try to make up time. And that lasted about two months before my wife's like, Hey, Hey fucker, you are a miserable son of a bitch. <laughs> and you're fucking up our system because you're here too much. We've got a system, you know, you're not always around kids are not, you know, they're, they're teenagers. Now they're, we've got to figure this out. So it took us a little while. Now we're, now we're, you know, into a really good place family wise. Like I kind of know the balance of being gone for a little bit home for a little bit. What's too much, what's too much gone. What's too much at home kind of where that kind of fits. But yeah. And, and we were talking before, like that loss of that loss of identity was huge. And it's, it's a struggle for, I would say everybody in the military and in law enforcement, major league players, all this stuff that like I said, my entire adult life was this one thing that's gone. Yeah. Now I'm not a seal anymore. I'm retired seal, but that doesn't mean anything to anybody besides myself. So what's next? How do I find that? So it, it took me a better part of a year to kind of find that next tribe of, okay, I found my purpose. Here's, here's where I can really make a difference. And I knew what it was. I just couldn't figure it out. So at the end of the day, I, I kind of view myself as a, as a servant to the community, whatever, whatever I can do, you know, in my 26 years of, of experience doing everything I did around the world, how can I help other people get better? So I started, okay, Hey, I'm going to start teaching leadership because leadership in a civilian world is fucking shit. Right. <laughs> Especially in, in, in a lot of these businesses, they don't, they don't care about people to develop them up. It's like you either stab somebody in the back to get your job or you get looked over, or maybe you're smart enough or you know the right person. So like, okay, I understand leadership. I understand teamwork. I can help there. I understand teamwork on the sports level for kids. I can help there. So I started helping coach football, coach swimming. Like how do I, how, you know, how can I help develop the mindset of what I know these 14 and 15 year old kids are getting into just in life in general, not just playing hockey or playing football. How can I help them be better prepared for life? So, you know, this, this snowball started rolling of, of where I can fit and, and networks and how I can leverage networks to help other people. And yeah, so that's kind of yeah brought us all around and, and helped me find it, define my passion of kind of still being a public servant. For sure. So when you started to, um, I guess, identify, pick and choose uh, where to go get plugged in, how did you identify those things? Did you sit down with like pen and paper and say, I'm really good at these things. I'm for shit at these. This is what I love doing. And then hop on like Craigslist and find out of where coaches were hiring. I mean, how did you, how did you get to the point of finding this new tribe? Well, and I had a lot of help, you know, so it's, it wasn't just me, but I had people that uh, reached out to me like, Hey, we know you're in an area. Would you mind coming and, and helping coach the hockey team or come and help, help, with the football team to, so, you know, do a few of those. I'm like, man, this is, this is really meaningful to me. I like, I'm making a difference and helping people understand their potential and understand having a little bit of mental toughness. You know, it's, it's hard with teenagers because they're teenagers and it takes a while for them to actually learn anything through experience. And so through those, I kind of found like, yes, I like this. I'll do this. And then, you know, I'm a swimmer growing up to so the, the local swim club. My daughter swam. So I'm like, 
hey, I'll, I'll coach as much as I can when I'm here. So from the youth as youth athletes, that's kind of what drove that. And that led into doing it for adults and, and you know, law enforcement guys and you know, everything else that I kind of get wrapped up into nowadays. Yeah. So for uh, guys that are getting out and uh, maybe either soon to be experiencing the loss of identity going through it right now, what do you feel like they need to know? Oh man. Super. That's, that's a whole other conversation. I'm sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that could be a, a couple hours probably. <laughs> uh, and, and there's probably a lot better people than, than myself to maybe a round table would be a good one. But uh, I would say, I mean, really have a good plan, understand what you're expect from yourself moving forward. You know, what you, what your family expects from you as far as, you know, income and everything else. Cause you know, you may have retirement pay, but you know, house, kids, college, all this stuff, like what are your really, what really are your financial obligations and be prepared for that and start networking and looking and going through the process at least a year out. I would say if, if, if you're a year out from retirement and you haven't started thinking about what you're doing next, it's you're way behind a ball. You know, the, the sooner you can get into leveraging those networks, figuring it out, figuring out what your passion is, you know, sit through, there's a bunch of books on it. We did it and, uh, and commit like what I really like doing. Hey, I'd really like coaching kids. I really like helping people. I really liked outdoors. Start putting all the stuff you really like down. And then the more you look at it, you kind of link them together. Like I like coaching. I like athletics. I like outdoors. Okay. I can help something there and start making those links together. And then, you know, before too long, kind of like that looks like I should probably be independent count, you know, consultant on something or, Hey, I am scared to death of working for myself. I'm not that kind of person. I need to work for somebody else. So kind of going that way. You know, my, my biggest issue when I retired was 26 years of never controlling my schedule. So the last thing I wanted to do was go work a nine to five to where I had to ask for days off. I'm like, fuck that. I've, I'm, I'm done with asking for days off. I'm going to, I'm going to work when I want to work. I'm going to work. I'm going to take days and go family vacation when we want to go vacation. And my job is not going to dictate what the family does. So that, that drove me to like, okay, I've got to work myself. Fucking figure it out. Like how, how can I continue to make some money to support the family, do stuff I like to do and meld those together. Okay. So what, um, so you mentioned the, is it in commit? The one thing that helped you identify what you were, what you enjoyed? Uh, uh, Commit was the foundation. It's okay. a, uh, it's a nonprofit 503 or 5013 or C3 or whatever they're called these days, but the, it's a 501 nonprofit that, yeah. that specializes in family and service member programs uh, geared towards a special operations community. But uh, yeah, that was essentially a two week program of just understanding myself. That's cool. But with that, I mean, I can, we can jump into show notes. I can, I can throw some of those books towards the guys that, yeah. that we went through so they can, Kind of have a resource something as well but uh yeah yeah because that was going to be my next question is if there's anything else or any other resources you either used or know of to uh to kick over and, and float to guys uh yeah i would say uh i'll yeah I'll, I'll kick over an email with some resources that i know of but uh depending on what the community you community come from kind of dictates what what's available because 
you know, resources are finite. So they, they kind of gear them towards certain, certain groups. Sometimes others are, are wide open to, to everybody, but I mean, there's a ton, there's, I think the last I looked, there's like 40 some thousand veteran organizations. Some of those are for kids. Some of those are for trips. Some of those are for all kinds of stuff, but a good portion of those are transition. We've, we've luckily over the last five years or so identified that transition from military to civilian is really hard for a lot of guys. And it's really not the VA or the DOD's job to, to find me a job when I retire, because that's not what we signed up for. I signed up to serve my country through the DOD. And when that's done, DOD's commitment is done other than, you know, VA retirement payment and that kind of stuff. But it's not their job to make me ready for my next job. It's not their job to make sure that I'm, I'm financially stable or any of that. That's, you know, that's not what, not what they're designed for. So <clears throat> yeah, there's, there's a ton of good organizations out there to, to help with transition. So a little bit of resources, get on LinkedIn. LinkedIn's got a ton, ton of good stuff as well. You know, most military guys these days are probably on social media, but you know, we never did before, but you know, there's, there's a lot of good resources and hit me up. I mean, if guys got questions, you know, hit me up on, I'm typically on as much as I hate to say it on, I'm on Instagram almost daily. If I'm, if I'm got a cell reception, but yeah, hit me up. I'll try to answer questions as much as I can or point you in the right direction. Okay. Perfect, man. Well, I'm fresh out of questions. Is there anything yeah. you feel like we might've, uh, <laughs> glazed over you feel it's worth sharing getting stuff out oh man uh geez i don't know where to start yeah i mean I, again I, i'm i'm here to help my vets my law enforcement guys first responders you know i love those guys so anything i can do for them you know through my resources and my network you know we, we got a bunch of vet vet hunts coming up here that i've been like scrambling to find guys here and last minute stuff but yeah, anything I could do for my my veteran and, and law enforcement guys, first responders, I'm, I'm there. Terry is a stud. Man, I appreciate you. I had a great time chatting, getting to know you a little bit more. I know that we talked a little bit offline, both pre- and post-conversation, and then spent some time on Instagram. So I appreciate everything that you do. I hope everybody listening, uh, you feel like you took some good information away, maybe about how to get involved, what it means to be part of the special operations community, and uh, maybe a good path forward if you are on your way out. Um, but otherwise, I hope you all have a great week. And we'll catch you next time.